If you've got a Bible, I want to invite you to take it and turn to Genesis chapter 12. If you're at home watching today, uh, grab a Bible with us. Again, Genesis chapter 12. Uh, we're going to look at, a role, at the role faith played uh, in the life of Abraham. And I think we all know something about the importance of faith. Uh, no matter how long or uh, how short amount of time you've been around uh, church and, uh, and Christianity, I think we all know something about the importance of faith. Like you've, you've probably had somebody ask ask you before, what faith are you? Uh, or you've asked that of someone. Uh, we often hear stories of how faith got someone through a, a difficult time, a difficult season uh, of life. We talk about wanting to grow in our faith. We talk about uh, wanting more faith. In the Bible, well, probably not as a surprise, the Bible has a lot to say about faith, including uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, when we read, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Think about the implications of that for just a moment. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Like if you want to please God, and, and I hope that you do, I hope that's a part of your desire, especially if you call Genesis your church, like you and I, we're not going to please God apart from having faith, apart from demonstrating faith in him. And so today, uh, as we look a little at Abraham's story, I want to talk about a faith that pleases God. Like how do we live out a faith or, or faith in a way uh, that pleases God and helps us to grow and get the most out of life you. And Abraham's story is going to teach us something about that. Now, we read in Genesis chapter 3 last week, and it certainly was mentioned in the video a moment ago, that sin entered the world through the disobedience of Adam and Eve. And as a result, there has been all of this fallout on planet Earth since, things like broken relationships, uh, violence and rebellion, uh, so many examples of, of hate and, and murders over the years, wars, uh, disease and, and separation from God, like you can see for yourself this spiraling effect that sin uh, has had. You, you see it as you turn the pages in Genesis. The, the evidence of sin is everywhere in our world right now. I mean, this past week is one more example of what sin can lead and, and cause any of us to do and to think that God could have turned his back on us, uh, that God could have left us to ourselves, left us for dead. I mean, he's a perfect God. Our, our God is a holy God, but he loves his creation. And if you are reading along with us in the Bible, not only are you reading chapters from the Old Testament each day, but we're also reading through the Psalms too. And I don't know if you caught this uh, on Friday, if you're caught up in your reading, but Psalm chapter eight, verses three and four, the psalmist writes, when I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and stars that you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? human beings that you should care for them. He loves, God loves his creation. You and I, his people, humans are his most prized creation. And so in his grace, even after the sin, God immediately initiated a plan to redeem and to heal what was lost and broken. And part of that involves starting a new nation. Uh, this is the hinge story. We want to talk about the hinge story today here in Genesis 12, as it was called in the Bible Project video. God's plan of redemption, it involves setting apart a, a group of people with whom he would establish this special relation. And to start this new nation, God picks Abraham. Uh, he picks Abraham and Sarah, but, but they're a, a strange choice uh, for at least a couple of reasons. First of all, they grew up around idolatry. Uh, polytheism, and, and we don't have any evidence from Scripture that, uh, that Abraham and Sarah had any, ever even heard of God. 
something else uh, about them that made them uh, unlikely candidates for, for this task. They, they were old, really old, like approaching 100. And so I'm sorry, but if I'm given the task of choosing a couple to start a new nation through, like who's going to choose a couple like this? I mean, wouldn't you be better to choose a couple like, well, this couple, this family? Uh, they're out of Michigan. Get this. They had 14 boys in a row. 14 boys in a row. There, I was reading there's a 0.02% chance of having 14 boys in a row, but all of that changed for them in November. If you notice, she's holding a little girl uh, by the name of Maggie. Finally, number 15, you know, they, they got their little girl. The point is, if you're going to start a new nation, all right, why wouldn't you choose a couple like this one rather than choose a, an elderly couple and Abraham and Sarah, but isn't it just like God to choose the least likely people to carry out his plan, to carry out his work? I mean, that's what God does. Uh, that's the type of God that he is. And I just want you to keep that in mind as you're reading the story, as you're reading from day to day, even the things that we're talking about here and the Sundays to come. There are, if you haven't noticed this yet, there are some messed up stories in the Bible, all right, of, of people making some very selfish choices, one bad decision after another. And yet the great thing is that God is a God of grace. He's a God of mercy and he can use anyone. Uh, he's proven that. He's proved that in Abraham. Abraham was old. Uh, Isaac, his son, was insecure. Jacob, the son, after that, was dishonest. Uh, looking ahead, Moses stuttered. Samson was proud. Uh, Rahab had this immoral past. Ruth was an immigrant. Uh, Elijah was suicidal. Mary was a poor teenage girl. Stephen wor worked food service, and Dorcas had a really funny name. Yes, believe it or not, there is a woman in the Bible named Dorcas, all right? A little later on in the year, you'll read about her. But why does God choose imperfect people? Because he can, and he does it, and he does it for his glory. And what a great lesson and great encouragement, even for us. And maybe for some of you today, if you're struggling with great questions about your life right now, if you're struggling with things like purpose, I just want you to know today that it doesn't matter the mistakes that you've made, uh, mistakes in your past. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, whether you uh, work at home or work away from home, whether you're going out in public right now or isolating at home as much as possible, God can use you. He can use you, uh, male and female, uh, married and single. God can use you. He's going to prove this once again in Abraham and Sarah. Let's look at their story. Pick it up in Genesis chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 1. Genesis 12, verse 1. Do we have that next one here? Yep, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. Stop there for just a second. You know, people didn't move from house to house, city to city back then like we do. And we don't know how this God Abraham had never heard of before got his attention, but he did. And, and there must have been something special, something profound about God and his promises. You be the judge. Look what we read. Here's what God said to Abraham. He says, I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That sounds like a pretty sweet deal, right? Pretty sweet offer uh, from God. And a few chapters later, God builds on that promise. Genesis 15, verse 5, God took Abram outside and said to him, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to them, so shall your offspring 
be. Scientists say that without a telescope and on the clearest of night that you can identify about 10,000 stars with the naked eye, all right? And so I picture Abraham here looking up in the night sky, having this conversation with God, and I believe that God had to be smiling, maybe a little chuckle to himself because only God knew that this promised nation that he was offering to Abraham would not be made up of thousands, but billions of people, both naturally born and adopted ones like you and me. God was going to make a great nation out of Abraham and his family. Now, that's a pretty incredible promise for a guy who's closing in on 100, all right, and whose wife has not been able to have kids yet. And let it be, again, an encouragement to you. Uh, not knowing your, your story or your situation. I, I don't know what troubles are in front of you right now. Um, I don't know what uncertainties haunt you or impossibilities stand in your way. But let me just remind you of one thing. Just remind you that while your eyes may see one thing, God sees something else. Uh, he is able to see something else. He's able to see something greater. He's able to see something better. The Bible tells us that his ways are not our ways and that his thoughts are not our thoughts, that his ways are higher, that his, his thoughts are greater. And so if your job, if your job feels like a dead end right now, hang in there. Like God sees so much more. If your, if your marriage doesn't seem to be going anywhere right now, don't, don't give up. Like God can bring something new. He can bring something good from it. If, if fear has you crippled, all right, has you paralyzed, like keep trusting him. God has a plan. He's a God of protection. And if you'd like to have children one day but can't, you keep taking that prayer to the Lord. Or right? you keep surrendering that to the Lord. Don't give up on him. Like keep putting your faith in him because faith gets his attention and faith pleases God. And I promise you that God has a vision for your life. He has a plan for your life and he intends to fulfill that vision, every part of it in and through you. And it was true for Abraham. I mean, God said to him, Abraham, I'm choosing you. I'm going to build a great nation through you, but the tough part was still ahead. Right, because in order for, for this new nation to start, Abraham's going to have to leave his country. All right, he's going to have to leave the only thing he's ever knew, all of his comfort, his family, his home, take his wife and go to a place that they've never been before, and they don't even know where they're going. God doesn't tell them where. He just says, go to the land that I will show you. And in verse 4, we read how Abraham responded to this. It just says that, so Abram went as the Lord told him. God commands, Abraham obeys. God commands, Abraham responds. Again, what a huge step of faith to leave everything that they had never known and to follow God somewhere they can't see. You know, these, this uh, story of Abraham, uh, this, this response of Abraham in obedience was a big part of our greater vision that we started talking about a year ago. Uh, and as we were moving into the spring, and if you were here, uh, greater for us means just simply this, you know, over the next couple of years, we want to make disciples, we want to reach our cities, and we want to change the world. We are trusting God to do even greater things through our lives and through this church family. And little did we know when we started talking about greater from this stage that just a few weeks into it, our world would change, that many of us would be sent home, and we'd be dealing with the things that we're dealing with with today. Those words a year ago, go to the land I will show you, were pretty important to me. Man, they're even more important these days as we are as a church family, just taking steps, 
one at a time, day by day, trusting the Lord that he has a plan, that he is a God of his promises, that he's got something greater for Genesis that we can ever imagine. We believe, I believe that God has a greater plan for the Carmel campus, that he's been doing a great work here and he has something even beyond what we can imagine for, for this campus, for our church. The same is true for our Noblesville campus. That God's doing a great work there. He's been doing a great work all these years. We believe he's got something even more and he's just saying, do you have faith though? Will you just keep trusting me? even though you can't see it, even though there's some, some uncertainties, even though there's some, some challenges before you, will you just keep trusting me step by step, one step at a time? We're trying to do just that as a church, even when we can't see it. Like, what does faithfulness look like today? What does faithfulness as a church look like today? Thanks again for being a part of it. Thanks for your faithfulness and giving. Uh, thank you for your prayers. Man, God's moving. Uh, this March will mark one year. We'll spend some time here on Sundays talking about greater again, just giving you an update on where we are. We've got to find a new home for our Noblesville campus. Some possibilities have popped up. We're praying about those things. We've, uh, thankfully, we've been able to set aside some resources that we didn't have a year ago that are better positioning us for those next steps. Same for our Carmel campus too. You know, as we pray about the future, we believe God's getting us ready. But we're not going to just hold off until one day when the pandemic goes away to be doing his work. We want to we do his work right now. All right, we're going to keep doing his work. And so, again, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your prayers. We're, we're trusting. God said, go to Abram, and, and he went. We want to be like that too. We want to be a faithful church in all things. The New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11, which is often called the, the, the faith chapter, tells us this about Abraham and his faith. It says, by, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And, and some of you today, like Abraham, you, you've got no idea what God's up to in your life right now. Uh, you're waiting for some answers and some clarity. Does life ever feel like a roundabout? you know, where you get stuck in the inside lane. It's one of those two laners, all right? You get stuck in the inside lane and you need to get to the outside. Uh, I've got a 15-year-old son I'm, I'm teaching to drive right now. Like we, we gradually introduce the roundabout. Thankfully, we live in Noblesville, so we don't have as many of them as, as we do in, in Carmel. But I worry about the day when he gets stuck in the inside lane and he's got to get to the outside because he's just going to keep going round and round and round. But life can feel like that at times, you know. We, we wonder, you know, God, what do you have in mind? Like what's the next step? And so you're asking God to show you. And we need to keep doing that, all right? Pray specifically. Ask for wisdom. But if that's where you are, you know, let me just encourage you with this too. You just keep living out your faith one day at a time, all right? One moment at a time. As much as, much as we want to be faithful in the big things, I feel like we can get stalled out if we just wait for the big things of life, all right? They're, the big moments, they're bound to come. I mean, we're all going to come up against some of those. Remember this, like faith in us grows one day at a time, one conversation at a time. Uh, one occurrence at a time. And so instead of stalling out, instead of waiting on the next big thing, like take the next step today and at lunch this afternoon and, and when you're at home and with your family or while at working tomorrow or at school, like the, the next time you get on social media, like sometimes we keep waiting for that next big moment of faith, but faith grows in us in the everyday normal decisions. And that's why Abraham's a great example of faith and obeying even when you don't know where you're going because God said go and he went. He and his wife, they picked up and went even without the details. They just went out and did what God told them to do. And so instead of worrying about tomorrow, 
They were just obedient with today. And I know we've all got decisions to make. You've got decisions to make about school and to figure out work and marriage and kids and mortgages and, and debt and, and your business and on and on and on. And, and God, God is able to show you all of that. He is a faithful God in doing these things. But could it be that, God is, that God's waiting for you and me to be obedient with today? Like, what are you going to do with today? What are you going to do with what I've put in your hands? What's before you? Abraham had every reason to doubt. God promised a great nation.